<clears throat> Many of you know that I love fishing. Uh, in fact, the reason Ann and I bought the house that we did uh, is because there's a retention pond behind our house that they stock with fish in Santa Rita. So all I have to do is walk out into my backyard to go fishing. Uh, you may have guessed from my tackle box that that's just a little brief part of it because I love to go fishing. Uh, and in order to catch a fish, what do you have to do? You have to deceive it, right? You have to make the lure look so good that a fish doesn't see the hook. And then it bites down on that lure, gets hooked, and then the adrenaline kicks in. And then the fun begins as you reel in that fish. Uh, it's just, it's too much fun. Do you know who else loves the fish? The devil. But he doesn't fish for fish, he fishes for you and for me. And the devil doesn't fish for catch and release, the, the devil fishes for keeps. And what's his whole goal in keeping you? It's to kill you. It's to destroy you. Like Jesus said in John chapter 8, he's a murderer from the beginning. He lures us, he hooks us, and he reels us in for one goal, and that is to drag you and me to hell with him. And how does he do it? He deceives us as he throws lures after lures after lures. And he knows what? That he just needs us to bite once. That's it. And so as we begin our Lent here in the Christian church years, we begin walking to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We're going to open up Satan's tackle box for the next six weeks, and we're going to look at the different lures that he throws out to us. And we're going to identify them, and then we're going to see how Jesus unhooks us from each of these temptations. And to do so, we're going to start with the very first lure that Satan ever threw out into this world in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, God has created everything. He spoke it into existence. It's now here. He placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden where they had everything that they could possibly want. And it's in this situation that Satan comes and throws his first lure. We're in Genesis chapter 3. I've printed the whole thing for you in your worship folder. We're going to look at the first seven verses, verse 15, and then verses 21 through 24. All right? Genesis chapter 3, here we go. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat fruit, eat from any tree in the garden? Alright. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. Who is this? The devil. The devil has taken possession of a snake that then goes and tempts Adam and Eve. If you're new to the Bible... Or uh, maybe you're a lifelong Christian that struggles with this. Do Christians really believe this story? This is a talking snake we're talking about here. This is stuff from fairy tales. Do we really believe this? Yes. Two reasons. Number one, God's Word says it. And the whole Bible's God's Word. And so it says it, it means it. And that should be enough for us. But I'll give you a, a second possibility. Who's to say that at this moment, in the perfection of the Garden of Eden, that animals and humans couldn't talk? Maybe the reason that Eve's not caught off guard with this is because this was normal. 
Maybe it wasn't unusual for animals to come up and talk with Adam and Eve. Maybe that's how Adam named them. They walked by and he conversed with them and then named them. Who knows? But what we know is Satan takes possession of a snake and approaches Eve. Who is the devil? The devil is a created angel, originally created by God to be a good angel, to serve God and to then serve people, which is the angel's job. That's their duties. But the devil had a really bad idea, and that was one day he and a bunch of other disi- er, disciples, other uh, angels, stormed God's throne and tried to overthrow him, and God immediately kicked him out because God has no equal. God is God. Everything else is lower than God. And so he kicked the Satan out of heaven, and now Satan it has one goal in mind, and that is to drag as many people possible with him to hell, to lure them into temptation and drag them to hell. If this is who the devil is, if this is what he does, why would anybody get close to him? How come people like you and me, Adam and Eve, why don't we swim away from him just like a fish swims away from a person that they see standing on the shore? It's because of that very first line. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. He is crafty. And look at how he approaches Adam and Eve. Did God really say? If you don't know God's Word, if you don't know God's Word, it is so easy for the devil to lure you into temptation. It, it's, it's no match for him whatsoever. If you don't know God's Word, he's going to deceive you, he's going to catch you, he's going to lure you. It's just that simple for him. But this is how he approaches Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Let's see how Adam and Eve respond. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Eve knew God's word. She stood firm on it. She said, no, serpent, you're wrong. Let me tell you what God said. God's word said, we can eat from any tree, just not the tree in the middle. You're wrong. She knew it. She stood firm. But we know how the story's going to end, right? We know that they're going to eat from the tree. So how does he do it? How does Satan do it? How does he get perfect people who have never sinned, whom God has given everything in the garden to. They have everything that they could possibly want. They're more free than any human being has ever been uh, because they only had one command. Don't eat fruit from the middle of the tree. God's given us ten commandments. He gave them one. Just don't eat from that tree. Show your trust. Show that you love me. This is your way to love me, Adam and Eve. Walk by this tree. You love me more than that fruit. It's the only command. How does he get him to do it? How? You will be like God. <laughs> you will be like God. Satan comes and he says this to Adam and Eve. He says, Eve, oh, poor Eve. I'm, I'm sorry that nobody's told you this. You may want to sit down because I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but let me tell you about God. Nobody's told you about him? 
God's, God's not a good guy, Eve. God, look what He's done to me. He kicked me out of heaven. God's not a good guy. God is proud. God is arrogant. God doesn't want an equal. And so He's made up this silly rule, Eve, that you can't eat from that fruit because He wants to control you. He doesn't want you to have what He has. He wants you to miss out. And inside of Eve and Adam, what happens? It starts working their inner, inner FOMO, fear of missing out. Is God really holding out? Is, is God really good? Maybe He's not so good. Because why doesn't He want me to have it? It looks like a good piece of fruit. It smells good. It looks like all the other ones. And if I can know what God knows, maybe I want it. You see, what, the, what was the first temptation? Uh, Satan throws out this line that says, you can have more. You can have more. God just doesn't want you to because God's not good. And here's what happens. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye. She starts inspecting it. Yeah, you know what, devil? You're not wrong. This looks good. It smells good. It smells like all the others. Maybe I am missing out. I want more than what God has given me. And she takes some and eats it and gives it to her husband. Hook, line, sinker. He catches them, hooks them. How does Satan get us to do it? First point today, Satan lures us by getting us to focus on the fruit. He got Adam and Eve to focus on what they didn't have or what they couldn't have. God said, don't eat from that tree. And Satan says, but look at it. Doesn't it look good? Doesn't it seem good? Why? If God was good, why doesn't He want you to have this? It makes no sense. And it got Him. Do you think Satan tempts us that way today? With this lure of wanting more? Just take one look at your credit card bill, right? How much is on there that goes on every month? every month and you don't have the money to pay it off. Kids, how often don't you get tempted to play more video games or do something else instead of doing homework? Because you want to do another level. You want to have more fun and not do your homework. What's that fruit that Satan is getting you to focus on that God hasn't given you or that God says you can't have? that He's getting you to focus on, that you feel like you're missing out on. Do you look around and, at other people? Do you look at someone else's spouse and say, man, how come my spouse can't be like that? Why can't I have a spouse who does that and who's like that? Instead, I'm, I'm stuck in my marriage. And God says He hates divorce, so I, I can't get out of this. And the devil throws out his line and says... You can have more. You can have more. 
God, if God really wanted you to be happy, if God was really good, He'd want you to have someone that you want. And so, it's okay. Go for it. Is the fruit what other people have? Their house? Their car? Their golf cart that they drive around the neighborhood in? And Satan throws out the line and says, you can have more. Look, tax season is coming up. It's tax season. Just fudge the numbers a little bit. Just fudge. You'll get a bigger return. You can have more. If God really loved you, He'd give it to you. He'd want you to have it. Is the, the fruit that you want respect? And, and you know what God says. You know He says to love and forgive and to serve. But if you love, forgive, and serve, how are they going to learn their lesson? And so Satan throws out his line. You can have respect. Nobody likes somebody. Nobody respects somebody that they can walk all over who's just always loving and forgiving. You've got to have a firm fist and one that gives rude gestures when driving so that that person knows they're driving wrong. You want respect? Well, then you've got to demean your coworkers so that they know who they're messing with. And you can have it. If God loved you, if He was good, He'd want you to have it. Is the fruit having fun? You want to have fun, but what does fun entail? Well, you can have fun, but it entails going out and getting drunk. It entails getting together with friends and gossiping about other people. And doesn't God want you to have fun? Of course He wants you to have fun. All you have to do is live in the sinful lifestyle. And don't worry, right? Because Jesus forgives you anyways. There's no need to change who you are. There's no need to change your behaviors. You can have it all. You can have more. God just doesn't want you to have fun. And He throws out His line. And He lures. You can have more. You can have more. Look at this fruit that you're not able to have. You see, here's the reality. God doesn't need to make you... Or not God. Satan doesn't need to make you an atheist to get you to fall into temptation. He just needs to get you to doubt God's goodness and that God is holding out on you. That's all he has to do. And he throws out that temptation and he lures us in. And he gets us to bite. And all he needs to do is get us to bite one time and then we're hooked. And then we're on the line and there's no jumping off. There's no escaping the live well. We're caught. Do you know what's ironic in this whole thing? God really did want Adam and Eve to miss out. He wanted them to miss out on what? Evil. He didn't want them to experience the feeling of betrayal as Adam stands there blaming Eve. He didn't want them to have marriage problems. He didn't want them to raise children who were disrespectful and eventually one's going to kill the other. He didn't want them to feel that evil. He didn't want them to feel the, the, the pain in childbearing. He didn't want work to be annoying and overwhelming and stressful. He didn't want all the hurtful words being said to each other. He didn't want a strained relationship with them. He didn't want them to experience the evil of death. And now here they are. They're not missing out on it. But you know what they are missing out on? Heaven. 
a life of peace, joy, happiness, knowing God loves you. And did you see how they felt at the very end right there in that section? Their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. Now they were experiencing shame for the very first time. And now God has a decision to make. What to do with these two? What to do with Adam and Eve? If it were you and me, what would be our decision? Look, I've given you everything, Adam and Eve. I've given you everything and absolutely no reason not to trust me. If it were me, Satan, go ahead, keep them. Real men, keep them. I don't want them. But God doesn't do that. You know what He does for them and for us? God gives us more than we deserve. God has not only given Adam and Eve everything that they could possibly have, He gives them even more. And that's what He does for us. Look around your life. Look at your health. Look at your wealth. Look at the things that you have. Look at how God has blessed you beyond the very necessities that we need for life. We have more than we could ever even desire in this country. We have more than we could possibly need. And God continues to give it. But then do you know what God gives to Adam and Eve? He gives them a promise. And it's a promise that He first addresses to the devil. Here's what He says in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Not only does God not kill them right away or destroy them or let Satan take them, he, he keeps them alive, but then He makes a promise, and that promise is, I'm going to send a Savior. And it's going to come from that very woman who just sinned. He's going to come from her. And that Savior is going to destroy your head. He's going to crush your head, Satan, for everything that you did. Yes, you're going to, you're going to strike His heel, but He is going to absolutely destroy everything about you. And who would that child be? Here's a great picture I found. That's Eve on the left. And who's that on the right? Mary. Eve looked forward to the day when that Savior would be born. And that Savior was born for one reason, and that is to unhook us from every temptation that we face. He came here and the devil tried his lures. He tried to get Jesus to fall in the sin. He tried to get to Jesus to want more. He tried to get Jesus to doubt God's goodness. But he fought every single temptation. And so what did the devil do instead? He went to the people around Jesus. And he threw out lures for them and deceived them. And what did they end up doing? Putting Jesus to death. What the devil didn't know was what that death would mean for him. And it's captured in this picture. The nails that went through Jesus' hands and His feet. Yes, His heel was struck. But in that heel being struck, Satan's head was crushed completely as the forgiveness of sins was won at the cross. As Jesus, in His death, unhooked you from Satan's uh, hook, He freed you from the live well of Satan so that you're no longer going to hell but you have eternal life in heaven coming for you. You have the freedom 
of knowing that. Of knowing that you are free from Satan and sin. Every time we fall into this temptation, Jesus points us back to here and says, but look, I've crushed Satan's head. If this promise was all that God did for Adam and Eve, it was more than they deserved. But God did something else for them. Genesis 3, 21-24 The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. God saw their pitiful clothes that they tried to make, saw that they still were filled with shame, and God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sacrifice one of my creatures that I've created. And God performs a first sacrifice, and He clothes them to cover their shame. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is from Galatians 3.26. And it's because of this very reason. Every time we fall into temptation, we fall for that hook and we get hooked. It looks so delightful, but now it leads to death. We're filled with what? Shame once we're on the hook. Even after we get released from the hook and we know that Jesus has forgiven us, we still feel shame, right? I can't believe I fell for it again. Galatians 3.26 uh, says, All those who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. God sacrificed His one and only Son. And in your baptism, God says, I've clothed you with Christ. All of your shame has been covered. And you stand before Him and your nakedness of sin is never seen by God. It's all because of Jesus. God gives us more than we could ever deserve. And this is what He did for Adam and Eve. This is what He does for us. And so how do we fight temptation? How do we fight this lure? To resist the lure, focus on the Good Father. Remember, what does God not want you to experience? The hurtfulness of sin, right? The hurt, the evil that comes with sin, the, the broken relationships, the heartache, the betrayal. He doesn't want you to experience any of that. And so when Satan throws out his lure and tries to get you to believe that God's not good, tries to get you to focus on the fruit that you don't have to question God, what do we say? We take a step back and we say, no, no, no. Let me tell you about my good father, devil. All Adam and Eve had to do was were to take a step back and say, look, I can't have that tree, but look at all the other fruit that I can have. That's all they had to do. And so as that temptation comes, as that lure gets thrown out, take a step back and say, Devil, let me tell you about how good my father is. Let me tell you everything he's blessed me with in life. I don't need that. Let me tell you about my spouse and the good that he or she has and is, that God has given me. Let me tell you about the love and the respect that comes from God. Let me tell you how my good Father's on my side defending me. I don't need to defend myself. Let me tell you about the love of God. 
And as we do that, what are we going to do? We're going to recognize temptation for what it is. Deceptive lures. And we're going to be able to swim away from them and swim into the arms of our good, good Father where we will be with Him forever. May the Lord bless you this week. May He guard your hearts. May He guard your minds that you can recognize temptation, you can recognize this lure, and then you can swim away from it. Swim to the Father who is your good, good God. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we praise and thank you that you are a good, good God who continues to give and give and give. You know that the devil tries to get us to believe that there's more out there that you're not giving us. And so we ask you to guard our hearts, guard our minds, give us contentment that comes from knowing that you are a good God who's given us everything that we need. As we recognize temptation, help us to swim away uh, from it. And when we do get hooked, let us turn our eyes to Jesus, who not only lived for us, died for us, but He also rose victoriously from the grave so that we may be free, free from the devil, free from sin, free from temptation, and ultimately live in the seas of heaven forever. Be with us today and always. Amen.